What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer, Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Lockdown Blazers, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Indochino, the world's most exciting made-to-measure menswear company. And today's episode is the latest installment of the Lockdown Blazers Countdown to Training Camp. We're dedicating a full episode to every player on the roster and giving you a brief but thorough look at what they'll bring to the Blazers. We'll look at how they performed last season, how they wound up on the Blazers. We'll talk about best case and worst case scenarios for the upcoming year and finish the episode with a discussion of expectations and likely role. This is our eighth installment of the Countdown to Training Camp, so if you've missed any, check your podcast feed, catch back up, they're right there waiting for you. Today, we're talking all things Christian James McCollum. So let's start with reviewing CJ's 2018-2019 season. CJ averaged 21 points on 45.9% shooting, 37.5% from three, and 82.8% from the free throw line, adding four rebounds, three assists, and 33.9 minutes per game. He played 70 games for the Blazers, all starts. CJ had some monster games, no doubt about it. Most notably, for me at least, was uh, 40 points, four rebounds, six assists, and four steals in a home win over the Bucks in early November. The Bucks were looking like the best team in the Eastern Conference, ended up being the best team in the Eastern Conference, and that CJ performance was emphatic very early in the season. CJ also added his first career triple-double in 2019. Uh, it's the end of January against Atlanta. He had 28-10-10, in part because he had to come back in the game in the fourth quarter because the bench couldn't put away the Hawks. But what I'll really remember about that game isn't... Um, well, I'll probably remember the bench sucking him having to come back in because that's the way my brain works. But he was so good early in that game. I, he finished the first quarter with 12.6 rebounds and 4 assists. He was playing point guard because Damian Lillard missed that game. And the point guard CJ looked like to have a really well-rounded game. He had some other big nights. The dude had thirty po- at least 30 points 12 times and two other 40-point games, including that Milwaukee game I mentioned. And he also missed a little bit of time. A, bit, a big chunk for the first time since he's been a regular contributor. He suffered a left knee strain in mid-March that caused him to miss 10 games from March 18th to April 5th. But statistically, there were some issues. That might be kind. This was CJ's lowest assist percentage, and I guess if you're into it, lowest turnover percentage of his career. Uh, for what it's worth, he had the highest rebound percentage of his career, grabbing about 6.3% of available rebounds. Not a bunch, but more than he has in the past. But more importantly for those of you scoring at home, it was CJ's lowest free throw rate of his career and his lowest three-point percentage since his rookie year, that 37.5% he shot as a rookie when he took just 80 shots and didn't really play. For comparison's sake, this season he took 445 threes. Now, 37.5% is still a shade above league average, but CJ's game is so predicated on him being an elite, elite offensive player that slightly above league average is a little bit different for the way you, you talk about him. If we're being totally honest when recapping this year, and CJ's regular season was a down year, and for a good portion of the season, he was the Blazers' third best player. That doesn't sound like a big deal, but he's certainly being played to be he's being paid to be the 1B to Damian Lillard's 1A. He's clearly the second best player on the team even at his peak, but CJ at his highest level is someone who challenges Dame for who at least makes fans maybe unrightly say, "Is CJ McCollum better than Damian Lillard?" 
he never got there last season. He spent almost the entire year for my money being worse than Yusuf Nurkic, less important to the teams, less impactful to the team than Yusuf Nurkic. It was a down season, a down regular season. And then the playoffs happened. And the best version of CJ McCollum we've ever seen showed up. What you remember from CJ McCollum's playoff run is the heroics in the second round against Denver. And I'll give that its due in a moment because it was spectacular. But do you realize he averaged 24.4 points, 5.4 rebounds, 4 assists on 45% shooting, including 44.7% from 3 in 5 games against OKC? He had 33, 8 boards and 5 dimes in a monster game 2 that gave the Blazers a 2-0 lead. And then had 27 in a road win in game 4 that put the Blazers up 3-1 and pretty much meant that it was over. Blazers would get a double-digit win coming back in OKC. What you remember is that next series, but I think it should go at least noted lightly that he was really, really good in the opening round, and they probably don't get where they end up without CJ being that 1B to Dame's 1A in the opening round against Oklahoma City. But then the Denver series happened, and this was CJ McCollum's absolute peak. We have never seen him play better. He averaged 26.4 points per game, six boards and three assists. But more than that, he was big, and I mean B-I-G, capital B-I-G, big, in the biggest moments. He had 41 in the four-overtime win in Game 3. He missed the shot, grabbed his board, and then made the assist to Rodney Hood to seal that one. He had 30 in the Moda Center in the season-saving Game 6. Put, gave the Blazers their biggest early win in the series, kept their season alive in Game 6, and then had an all-time great performance on the road with 37 points, 9 rebounds, and a season-saving Western Conference-delivering chase-down block of Jamal Murray. In that Game 7, he scored the Blazers, he made the Blazers' final three shots. Clear out, I'm going to go score including the big one that you remember. They clear out for him. He takes Tory Craig left, pulls up. Everyone in the building knows he's trying to get to that left elbow. He does. There's nothing Craig can do about it. He drills it, and he mean mugs for the camera. CJ wasn't very good in the conference finals, but nobody on the Blazers was, so we won't talk about it now. We won't talk about it in depth. I will mention... He wasn't very good in the Western Conference Finals. And for his trouble, the Blazers signed C.J. McCollum to a three-year, $100 million extension at the end of July that will keep him in Portland through the, or at least under contract with the Blazers, through the 23-24 season. It doesn't kick in for a couple more years. They've basically, instead of him having two years left on his deal, they added extra money to the end of this deal. He now has five years remaining. And I mentioned this in a previous podcast, but I'll just say it now. I think the contract is no-brainer for both sides. It's slightly below the max money, but it gives CJ the security he needs. He's getting paid through the end of the 2024 season. We haven't even hit 2020 yet. And the Blazers weren't going to sign a player of his caliber with that cap space. It's meaningless to them to have it. They would just waste it on someone else. So they might as well lock him up. At least that's my view. McCollum isn't going anywhere. 
I think the should they trade him stuff died in the playoffs. I think it died. Even with a down regular season, I, I think he put it to bed. He killed the rumors himself. So the question is, in his seventh season in Portland, what's that going to look like? That's what I want to talk about next. But before I get there, I want to remind you guys about Indochino, sponsor for today's podcast. Indochino is the world's most exciting made-to-measure menswear company. This week, my listeners can get any premium Indochino suit for $369 at Indochino.com. All you got to do, enter the code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D at checkout. All right, so we did CJ McCollum's 2018-19 year in review. Now we're going to talk best case and worst case scenarios for this upcoming season. Now, I want to offer this caveat at the beginning of the section, as I always do. These are best case scenarios within reason and worst case scenarios without injury. I'm only talking MVPs if a guy can chase an MVP. And I won't be talking injuries, period, because we're talking about what happens on the court. The worst case scenario, basketball-wise, not body-wise. So what's the best case scenario for CJ McCollum? It's that 2019-2020 is that year. It finally happens. And CJ gets to play a exhibition game in February. Finally, finally, finally representing the Blazers in the All-Star game. It seems every year we discuss it. And to get there, to get to that elusive midseason showcase, CJ McCollum will have to put together a season that looks a lot like his 2016-2017 campaign. When he averaged 23 points per game and flirted with the 50-40-90 season. That's 50% from the floor, 40% from three, 90% from the free throw line. That year he hit the 40 and 90 marks but shot 48% from the floor. Of course there's a team element in all-star games and a numbers crunch in the West. It's hard to get there. But CJ's all-star formula is undoubtedly his best case scenario. That's why we're talking about it. I think it kind of looks like this. He shoots better than 40% from three. He gets to the free throw line more. And because he's going to spend more time running the offense by himself this season, the best case for CJ means he sees his assist numbers climb north of four a game. A player of CJ's caliber isn't going to make some dramatic stride in the offseason. He's probably a finished product for the most part. But the best case scenario involves him smoothing out some of his rougher edges as a defender, as a playmaker, and as someone who just gets himself easy points more regularly. He's really good at making the tough shots. In fact, one of his real strengths and why he was so good in the playoffs because he can make those tough shots. The next step for CJ and the best case scenario for CJ is that he earn, he learns how to sort of earn himself some easy ones. That's less shots with a million counters and 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 dribble moves and and just more more shots where he's standing still after getting fouled at the free throw line. The best case for CJ McCollum is that this is the year it clicks for him and it clicks for the Blazers and he gets an all-star bid. But the best case for CJ McCollum isn't necessarily super far away. We've seen him get close. So He doesn't have to take a major stride, and I don't expect him to. He just has to take the small steps he talked about at the beginning of last season. Average one and a half more assists, average a half more rebound a game, and have the Blazers be really good when the voting happens in February. The best case for CJ McCollum is that everything aligns. So what's the worst case? 
CJ makes no progress in the areas of his game where he's deficient. His defense takes a step backwards. His three-point shooting ticks down for a third straight season. And he remains entirely allergic to passing the ball and getting free throw attempts. More specifically than the stuff I've alluded to, his clear weaknesses, the more specific team-based worst-case scenario for CJ McCollum means that he can't mesh with Anthony Simons on the second unit. And instead of lifting up the Blazers' promising second-year guard when they play together on the bench unit, those two exacerbate each other's weaknesses, and the Blazers have to be more creative with how they deploy both CJ and Ant when Damian Lillard is out of the game. And that will end up being the major question. The worst case for CJ McCollum isn't that he slides back and regresses and is, and is this terrible basketball player. That isn't happening. It's that he doesn't exactly fit with the Blazers' next young, promising small guard who they want to play together. And it's that the things that he's obviously not very good at stay things that he's obviously not very good at. Honestly, the worst case for CJ McCollum looks a lot like his 2018-19 season. That's a pretty good worst case, but if he gets a little bit worse in the margins, it becomes more meaningful. I think CJ's been consistent enough with a major role to believe that he won't slip. But another season where he's pretty good without the buffer of how good Yusuf Nurkic was last season could be really problematic for the Blazers. And now we've reached what I call caveat corner. It's where I give you a caveat explaining how best case and worst case scenarios work in my mind. They're the opposite ends of the poles. This are polarity of, of guys' possible outcomes. Everyone on the roster, gen- generally speaking, except for a handful, are likely to fall somewhere between, particularly guys at their physical peak like, like CJ McCollum, are likely to fall somewhere between that best case scenario where he's an all-star guard and clearly one of the six best guards in the Western Conference, undeniably an all-star. And the worst case scenario where he's just kind of an inefficient score-only two-guard that can't really guard his position and is an offensive force, but nothing else. I think CJ McCollum's windows of possibilities are much narrower than a lot of other guys on the team. We kind of know what he can do. He's not an unknown by any means. He's incredibly known. He's been remarkably consistent production-wise since he became a full-time starter. He, he kind of is what he is. So the worst case scenario is exactly that. He is what he is. He's not much better. And the best case scenario is really similar to that, right? It's that he is what he is, except with just a more defined edge, a little bit better passer and playmaker, someone who kind of leans into getting his teammates involved more than he has in his career, and someone who really commits to being a defender that's in the right spot. He's not going to be an elite level defender. I don't have that in my best case scenario. That wasn't a, the, the recipe I spelled out, but a competent defender on an above average defense and a guy who gets his teammates involved more and finds himself some easy buckets is not that far away from the guy we saw last year when he was probably admittedly had his worst season in the la- over the last four years. CJ McCollum's best case and worst case is super narrow, right? It's maybe as narrow as anyone on the team other than Damian Lillard. That's the thing about being a star type player but there's some pressure on him to swing that pendulum toward the best case scenario because if he ends up in the worst case scenario i'm not a believer that this is a 50 plus win team 
If the CJ from the regular season is here again in the 2019-20 regular season, if the 20 if the last season's regular season CJ is is back, I don't see this team winning 50 games. But I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. Because in the third segment, we're talking role and expectations. So let's shift out of worst case, best case scenario and start talking about CJ McCollum's realistic role and expectations for the 2019-2020 season, his seventh with the Blazers. All right, welcome back. Still Mike Richmond, still locked on Blazers, still pass first point guard, and we're still talking CJ McCollum. Talked his 2018-19 campaign. I gave you the polls, his worst case and best case scenarios. But now it's time to talk more specifically about what CJ McCollum could and what I believe he will look like in the 2019-2020 season. Like I've said a couple times, we know what to expect with CJ McCollum. This section of the podcast of these player previews is better suited for someone with a less consistent track record. Uh, It's hard to make predictions about shooting percentage and free throw rate. That stuff is less situational and determined by coaches and more dependent on the player. Terry Stotts can tell CJ to attack. He, he might attack, but not be good at drawing contact. CJ can stay in the gym obsessively and, and really focus on his shooting percentage, but the difference in 38 and 40%, while pretty meaningful during the regular season, is impossible to predict from where I'm sitting right now. We saw the absolute best version of CJ McCollum in the postseason a year ago, but regular season games are different. The scheme-busting one-on-one moves that make CJ so special against playoff-caliber defense and heightened scouting reports are still important during the regular season, but less so during the slog of four games a week and new opponents every night. So my expectations for CJ are that he looks a lot like he has for the past four seasons, either a little better or a little worse in the places where it counts. That's not a prediction or an expectation as much as it is an acceptance of his skill set and of the areas of concern that are outside of things coaches can really control and media types like me can really predict from afar. I know where CJ can get better. I know that him making more shots is important, but... The idea that I have expectations that he'll make X number more threes is wild. My main expectation, the only real one I have for him, is who he plays with and when. And I, my expectation is that he switches back to running that second unit full-time, and he and Damian Lillard spend significantly more time staggered, one-on-one-off, than they do together on the floor. Uh... Last season, prior to CJ's injury that kept him out of those 10 games after the All-Star break, basically at the end of the year, he played nearly 88% of his minutes next to Damian Lillard. This was by design. The Blazers wanted to play them together more, but they also wanted to give Evan Turner a chance to run the offense and have the ball in his hands with neither of those guys on the court. It was an experiment that they ditched at least somewhat midway through the season, but for about 55-plus games, that was the plan. CJ wasn't the backup point guard. In 27-18, he still was, and he played about 65% of his minutes with Dame. And I expect that split to be much closer this season towards that two-thirds number than the north of 85% that we saw last season. I think CJ McCollum is your backup point guard again. That means he has to play alongside Anthony Simons. That means he has to play probably a lot of minutes with Pau Gasol. 
Maybe a lot of minutes with Mario Hazonia or Anthony Tolliver at power forward. But he's going to... My expectation is that he takes back over the second unit. Something that works a little bit better. It hasn't always been great. The Blazers, just numbers-wise, are always better when Damian Lillard is on the court. But I think giving CJ those minutes where he can run the show helps him a little bit. I don't know if it'll help him make more shots. You would assume he shoots a little bit better when he plays alongside the starters. But it might help him get into a rhythm a little bit more. It'll certainly bump his assist numbers up just by virtue of having the ball in his hands a little bit more as someone who initiates the offense. All the other expectations are, I expect CJ to look about the same. I expect that role to be the only thing that really shifts. And there's a chance that the Blazers do give some time where him and Dame both sit and they let, if he's ready, Anthony Simons run the show or potentially uh, some combination of Mario Hazonia and Kent Bazemore. The Blazers have more guys who can dribble and initiate this season than they had last season. Last year was pretty much Dame, CJ, Evan Turner, and a little bit of Steph Curry sprinkled in. I think they have more guys who can attack and do things. We'll see what that looks like. But if there's one expectation I have for CJ McCollum, it's that he shifts back into that role where he was comfortable as the de facto leader of the second unit. That's all I got on CJ McCollum, guys. I really appreciate you listening. We got more of these player previews, countdown to training camp. The Blazers are going to open training camp the very last day of September. So we've got, we'll have the rest of these little player capsules coming for you and more stuff leading up to that day, September 30th. I want to thank one more time Indochino for sponsoring the episode, and I want to thank you guys for listening yet again. If you enjoy this podcast, tell your friends. Tell them they can find it wherever they already get podcasts. That's on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. we got more off-season stuff coming, and we are getting real close to real basketball. Appreciate you guys listening. Talk to you soon.